think you're what they say you are Ricky Lee, superstar Do you think you're what they say you are It's showtime with Ricky Lee Thank you for joining me here on 101.5 Huntley Community Radio. I'm your host, Ricky Lee Travolta. If you are ever outside the broadcast area, you can always stream the show in real time at HuntleyRadio.com. You can also always conveniently find current and past episodes of It's Showtime with Ricky Lee as podcasts. Susanna B. is an acclaimed singer-songwriter who has achieved great notoriety in the jazz music circles. She has collaborated with some of the biggest names in music, and her album Girl Gone Wilder was named one of the best jazz releases of 2020. She is now preparing POV, a collection of music with a feel-good groove and sultry vocals. We'll be talking about this as well as her background and parallel success as an actress. Susanna, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So now I really want to talk about POV because this is an exciting new release you're, you're working on. But first, let's give everybody a frame of reference. How would you just kind of describe your music in general? Because I know you've worked in a couple different genres, so I wasn't sure yes. how to break it down. I'm going to throw You're that not to you. The only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's. I have always been extremely eclectic. I had a lot of influences growing up. My mom was a successful Broadway composer lyricist, and I grew up in New York City, so I was going to musical theater all the time. Raised on that, raised on kind of cabaret songs and New York City jazz clubs and nightclubs, and I actually started singing in clubs when I was pretty young. Uh, but I always loved pop music and I actually really love to dance. I'm not like a trained dancer, but I just love to dance and I love 1970s funky disco soul kind of stuff. And um, and so I actually didn't even get into music into my late until my late 20s. I was only going to be an actress because my mom was the one who did the music and I felt like that was her you know, arena. And I, I was a little bit intimidated by it, truthfully. And um so I didn't I did some singing in, you know, my youth. But then when I went to college, it was just just going to be an actress. And then uh, in my late 20s, I started waking up in the middle of the night with like lyrics going through my head. And so I slowly started to give myself permission to let let whatever was trying to come through, come through. And I'd wake up with melodies and and I was not uh, trained as a you know, pianist or anything like that. My mom kind of had been really pushed into it as a child. So she went the other way and like didn't train, you know, didn't push it on me at all. And so um, I had to it took a long time to kind of get my confidence up to start working with uh, musicians and producers to, to get my vision out there. But I've been putting out um, albums for the last like 20 years um, and I'm an indie artist and proof that you know it's never too late to start if you have a passion for something and my music um it just yeah it is eclectic i mean initially my first couple albums were very much pop rock but there was also always a jazzy influence and i i remember getting a review one time for my second or third album and the reviewer had said like if if she ever wanted to try jazz you know she could probably be a really good jazz singer and i was kind of intrigued by that and then not connected to that at all I just um I ended up meeting 
It was actually my my next door neighbor in Silver Lake in Los Angeles, who was a professional tuba player. And he came and saw me in a in a show that I had a one woman show that I had written that had my mom's songs and my songs. And he said to me, hey, you know, I'm doing these like house concerts at my house and it's all these these jazz musicians, um, basically classical and jazz musicians, mostly brass and woodwind instruments. And it's this one particular composer named Alec Wilder, who was big in the 40s and 50s. And he said, you know, he, he was really eccentric, but he also wrote these popular jazz songs that became hits for people like Peggy Lee and Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett. So he said, would you be the singer in these house concerts? And so I, I one of the secrets of my career is I just keep saying yes. <laughs> and so I said, okay, yeah, sure. And I'd never even heard of the guy, which surprised me because I did know a lot of that genre, um, you know, Irving Berlin and, and those kinds of people, but I didn't know Alec Wilder. So I became the the song singer in those house concerts we did for about a year. I met an incredible group of jazz musicians and I put out the jazz album of his songs of Alec Wilder's songs after that. But then uh, in the last few years, I, I have always just, like I said, I love to dance. So I turned to a young DJ guy who I had met and I said to him, you know, would you be interested in taking some of my songs that I've put out on my my albums and remixing them for like a faster tempo? Because I just knew that I always wanted to try to to do some remixes and see what would happen. And what's happened is that because of Spotify, um, it's been amazing that like my songs are, you know, getting really popular in Brazil and and <laughs> Colombia and Guatemala. And I seem to have a, a Latin American um, following. Uh, and then the the most recent stuff that's coming out is um, initially it just started uh, as a project where I wanted to take some of my older songs and re-record them under Susanna B because I had a, different artist names 20 years ago. <laughs> Not the best career move to have multiple <laughs> artist names, but you know, that's what happened. So I thought, because there's no way to combine my different artist names on Spotify or Apple Music. So I was looking through my older songs and kind of seeing, well, what holds up? And I was working with my um, beloved keyboardist, musical director, friend who works really closely with Alanis Morissette, tours with her, writes with her. And so he and I just started talking about like, well, what if we redid this or updated this or, you know, kind of went, it, went at it from a different angle. And um, so it's really cool to revisit these songs that actually, you know, I wrote a while ago. But um, I rewrote some bridges and some I made some changes and edits. And and so, yeah, and then we brought in a totally different band, all of whom had played with Alanis, but also a lot of other artists who I love, like Beck and Lana Del Rey. And and um, and we found a really cool way to capture my vocals that I'm, I'm really excited about that I felt like I hadn't gotten to before. And I would say, yeah, it's very sultry. Um, I, I was thinking last night, it's kind of like a cross between Sade and Sheryl Crow. Okay. Like it's, it's very, I mean, I have a sound that is unique enough. Nobody's ever really been able to tell me who I sound like, which is good, but sometimes it's annoying because I want to be able to give someone like a reference point. Um, but I have heard Sheryl Crow-ish, Sade-ish. Um, uh, and so... Anyway, that's it's definitely my thing has always been groove, 
like, you know, you're going to tap your toe. Even if it's a slower song, it's going to have like an R&B kind of, there's going to be some kind of groove in every song that I do. And I really like to move. And um, a lot of my songs have gotten on these like running and exercise playlists. And someone told me she loves doing Pilates to my <laughs> to my last album. So it's like, I, I love that idea that um, no matter what you're doing, if you're, you know, cleaning the house or whatever, or driving in the car, which is my favorite place to listen to music, you're still kind of like, you're going to move your shoulders, you know, when someone looks over at you at the red light, they're going to see you're like bopping around. You so can dance um, with all parts of your body. Yep, you can yeah, dance with exactly. your head. You can dance with your shoulders. You can dance yeah. in the car. That's so cool. Yeah. Now, in terms of this new album, uh, which sounds so exciting, you're you're reworking some old material. Are you reworking it with a specific through line in mind to give the album an overall? feel uh, is there a specific you mentioned funk before and uh, i've also heard revenge rock in in association right. with you uh is right. is there any one feeling that you're trying to accomplish throughout the album well no i, I in, in the sense of one um one overall vibe no because um that's always been hard for me to do i did it on my my like last album i really consciously tried to have like a a chill electronica vibe through the whole thing, my album, um, far more. But uh, but this one, I would say the commonality is um, that I've had a long history of singing in acapella groups. I've been in an acapella choir for many years, and I've also taught singing or led. It's it's really song leading is a is a is a thing, and I've been. Um, I've been mentored by some wonderful song leaders. And so I know how to kind of stand in front of a group of people and lead them in a song, whether it's a simple round where there's just two two parts, you know, one side of the room sings this, one side of the room sings that, or whether it's four-part harmony. Um, and so I actually used to go down and work with these men in South LA who had just been released from prison. And they were in kind of a halfway home and they were getting lots of services and therapies. And I was asked by these women who I was in a, a workshop with and they saw me kind of helping the teacher of the vocal workshop. And they asked me if I could do the same thing. So I for three years, I was going down once a week to this place um, called Amity Foundation in South L.A. and working with these guys. And every week it was a different group of guys. And um, sometimes it would be five guys and sometimes it would be 55. It was really, really unpredictable. And I, you know, these men were understandably hardened and extremely suspicious and cynical and, you know, had their arms crossed and were giving me these looks like, who the hell do you think you are? You're not going to get me to sing, especially with no instruments, you know, but I brought a lot of percussive instruments and I did end up being successful i ended up getting them to sing i sort of you know charmed them partly with my you know just sunny persistence but i also put forth this idea to them like okay feel how you're feeling at the beginning of the class let's see how you feel and at the end of the class let's see how you feel and 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 there's gonna be a difference because i'm deeply passionate about the idea that singing is is our intrinsic right. Everybody has the right to sing. So many people have been told they can't sing, they shouldn't sing, they can't sing. That is just, I can't stand that. You know, I think that there've been too many teachers who've abused their power by telling people you can't sing. Everybody's, 
everybody can sing. It's a human expression like laughing or crying to me, in my mind. And it's very, very ancient and important um, in how all cultures, you know, approach the sacred. It's always with singing. And so this is a long tangent to say that my experience of doing that with these guys over the, you know, in, in the time between when I wrote the songs to now, I consciously looked at the songs and found like new melodic hooks, new ways that if I were performing these songs live, I could get the audience to sing along so that you, you know, it's, I might be singing this harmony and that harmony, but you could sing in your car or wherever you can sing, be all right, be all right. Like really simple three note things or, or whatever. I just, I'm really into hooks anyway. I really love the whole catch, catchy pop hook, you know, idea, which is, I was taught that like you hear a pop song and by the second chorus, you're singing along, you know, it's like the Beatles. I mean, it's just classic. And so, um, Anyway, that's what I really decided to do with this album. You're listening to It's Showtime with Ricky Lee on 101.5 Huntley Community Radio. I'm your host, Ricky Lee Travolta. You can always listen to current and past episodes as podcast wherever and whenever the fancy strikes you. My guest today is Susanna B. She is an acclaimed actress, singer, and songwriter. She is getting ready to release POV, a new collection of music including reworked arrangements of her past hits, as well as new originals and a few covers. For up-to-date information on Susanna B., visit SusannaB.com. Now, for this album, you worked very closely with your keyboardist, you indicated, Mike Farrell. So let's talk about that uh, and some of the other musicians on the album, because I know that's very key to the, the, the sound that you've created for this. Now, uh, Mike worked really extensively with Alanis Morissette. How does that kind of relate to his songwriting with you, his, his, his producing his, and so forth with you? Well, he's he's just wildly talented uh, besides his job touring with Alanis Morissette. And he also tours with Martin Short and um, Steve Martin. Uh, Steve Martin, yeah. oh! <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah, he tours around. He, he's just incredible. He 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 was at uh, Lisa Marie Presley's funeral, like her memorial service at Graceland, because Alanis Morissette was good friends with her, and they were singing on the lawn on this piano. And it, he's he's wonderful. Um, and one of his other jobs is he's uh, the associate musical director of American Idol. Oh. So the great thing about that is that he has this knowledge and exposure to so many songs because of course when they're deciding which songs each person should sing they're you know they're going through tons and tons of of songs so i i loved um i i met him before i did my jazz album we performed live a lot together we did a duet on the jazz album that was really fun he's just terrific uh, he's so such a talented um musician and as a producer i just felt like he was really open to what i was saying i would play him a lot of bands that I was listening to and I love following new artists and finding new music. Um, I listen constantly to mostly KCRW is my my go-to station for finding new brand new music. Um, and so uh, we just we work together and and he and I both share uh, an interest in combining um, interesting combinations of, of instruments. So like he played um, there's some accordion on this album. There's some, um, oh gosh, I always forget the name of the other thing he played. Um, oh my goodness. Not a dulcimer. 
No, no, it's a it's a keyboard thing. Oh gosh, I'm I'm blanking for a second. But he also played um, this fantastic organ. We went to a, a studio specifically that had this this um, Rhodes organ, and he played. The best thing was he played my mom's uh, Wurlitzer keyboard, an electronic electric keyboard that my mother wrote some songs on when I was like seven years old that ended up becoming very well-known songs of hers on this kid's album, Free to Be You and Me, which was a, a big thing in the 70s. So she, it was just really sentimentally, it meant a lot to me that we did the whole album with him playing her her uh, keyboard. I play, you know, enough to have written the songs and like that's where I find chords and stuff like that, but I don't play like when I'm in the studio. And then he brought on these guys who were just... Um, just amazing musicians and really, really open to just trying anything. And basically, was we were going for like a vibe more than anything, like a band vibe that we really clicked. And we did. Uh, we all had a lot of fun. And I know that we're going to be getting together more and, and doing some more stuff because the guys just liked what I was doing. And I really liked what they were doing. And Victor Andrizzo is an incredible drummer um, who's toured with Beck. Uh, he, he's just amazing. And Dave Levita is this incredible guitarist who's touring right now with Tim McGraw. And he's played with a lot of a lot of people like Lana Del Rey and Sarah Bareilles. And then uh, Sean Hurley is this incredible bassist. And I just I was so spoiled um, with these guys. But it was it was a blast. So it sounds like you were very creative in the studio. You, like you went in with a general idea, but then were free to see where it grew. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about having Mike, who had already toured with these guys, like they have a shorthand between them. Mike had had come up with some arrangements that he and I had, you know, come up with after working together for, you know, a month or two on the songs. We had we had decided kind of how we wanted to attack them. And then he wrote up some arrangements. But then when the guys come in, you know, they're like, hey, what about this lick? What do you think about that? You know, and it gets very creative. Absolutely. Uh, There's no. Someone asked me recently, like, do I did it come out the way I was thinking it would come out? And I, I said, no, I didn't have a preconceived notion. You know, I'm very collaborative and I'm really into that. Um, and that's also because of who I am as an artist. I'm a singer, but I'm not and a songwriter, but I'm not, you know, some virtuoso player who can like Prince or something. You know, if if someone has all those skills, they're going to approach it differently than I do. I'm much more kind of like, show me what you got. Let's make a let's make a pie together <laughs> and when we're all like throwing in the ingredients. And I, I really love that part of it. Now, you mentioned making more music with these guys, which yeah. sounds just incredible. Now, is that a plan for any live events or is this another recording project that you have in your head? Do you, or have you even thought that far in advance? thought a little bit i think uh if i can schedule them between their tours with big famous people um i will definitely play live with them uh but yeah definitely we would like to go in the studio again and um i already have some new original things that are that are kind of cooking and starting to come out um in my head this that was why it was good to kind of go back over some older stuff and and think about where i am in my life and what do i want to say you know and um and where I am in my life is I'm in my 50s. I'm a I'm a mom whose two kids have now gone off to college. You know, I'm I'm an older person, but I'm not old. And uh, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of rich material in that perspective, you know, of being kind of looking ahead and going, OK, hopefully I got a long way to go. But like I've actually been here a while and I do I do know some things. And, and yet, of course, I still have 
the struggles that that uh, that maybe sometimes will always be with us. Like, for instance, in the the new album in POV, there's a song called Talking to Myself. And when I wrote it like 20 years ago, it was about kind of negative self voices. And the, and the sort of the thesis of the song was like, wouldn't it be great if I spoke to myself in a more loving way? Like that was essentially what the song was about. And here I am a couple decades later and, you know, I still struggle with the same thing. I have a very strong negative voice and I'm, I've heard that I'm not the only one. <laughs> and it turns out uh, a lot of people do. And so I actually did some rewriting on the bridge and made it um, a little bit more like, yeah, it would be nice, but it's, that's challenging. It's hard. It doesn't come as easy. You know, it's with practice. You just keep trying and trying again. Um, and so I, I just kind of shifted my, the song a bit because I know that it's not quite as easy as maybe I thought it was a while ago. Now let's talk a little bit about your your growing up. You're, you're a Broadway baby. You grew up, you know, with a mother who uh, was a lyricist and composer. Of, well, let's let's talk about some of the the things that she did. Uh, she did Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. You know, a, a theater standard. You know, um, what was it like having a mom like that? Was she just mom, or did you realize there was this fame involved? Yeah, she. I mean. She was more than just mom. I was very aware of her career um, because she was working on it all the time. You know, she had grown up in Texas in a fairly s small town where her family came from. And then in Dallas, bigger town. But she wanted to go to New York City her whole life. She dreamed of going to New York City to write a Broadway show. And she did. Like, she followed her dreams and she did it. And it took a long time. And um patience and there were uh, way more shows that did not get on than there were shows that were hits but you know if you have one hit that runs for five years and then becomes a movie like best little Horace in texas you know that's a good one i mean we went there were touring companies all over this the united states and, and we went to the london opening and it was really glamorous and and fun and um yeah i would walk to the backstage door of the theater and you know go in because the doorman knew me and and i had like a whole backstage view um and my mom always used to make me come to all the many of the uh, auditions for the the big tours of the show because she was trying to convince me not to become an actress <laughs> and so she was she wanted me to see how many incredibly talented people don't get the part you know and for no fault of their own they just they don't get it because they're too tall or they're you know whatever all these crazy reasons but it actually just cemented my determination even more so it backfired but i i really really admired her um i and then, you know, like I, I think I said before, there was a certain amount of it was a little intimidating, a little bit of a big shadow. And um, she was never, you know, she's not like Cher or something. She wasn't like a hugely famous person. But in New York City, she had a certainly in her world. She was, you know, kind of a big fish and in that pond for a while. And, um, you know, I felt like sometimes people would be not that interested in talking to me until they found out, oh, your mom is, oh, oh, hi. And then they'd be nice, you know, and it was like, hmm, that felt a little strange. And so it, I moved out to LA, I think, to, to t have some distance from that and try to create my own identity. And I think anyone, I'm guessing, anyone who has a parent who might cast a big shadow or even a sibling, you know, who's doing something really special and they're getting all the accolades, I, I think there's challenges with it. Um, it's 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 a mixed bag. 
But it for me, I mean, ultimately, she's not here anymore. And I feel so lucky that I have this hope chest of songs that she left me. And one of them is one of the covers that I'm putting on this album, It's All Right to Cry, was this song from Free to Be You and Me. It was a kid's song in the 70s. It was written with the idea that it was okay for boys to cry. Um, and I think it's still so relevant today because there's a line in the song that goes, feelings are such real things, but they change and change and change. And I just felt like with all the discussions about mental health right now, that was a really important thing to, to sort of add to the conversation is, look, you can feel things deeply, but they will they'll pass. You know, it, it's like weather. You know, feelings feelings won't stay with us. The exact same feeling won't stay with us forever and ever. And um, so I I'm excited about this version of the song. That is very special to include a song from your mother on the album. Is that yeah. something you've ever done before? Or is this a first nope. time that you've done that? First time I've done it. Yeah. My mom uh, put out an album of her own songs um, kind of later in her life. She had a, a record deal in the 70s with Electra Records before she did Broadway. So she toured with Don McLean on his American Pie oh. tour, opened for Loggins and Messina. And like she had this whole touring life when I was a kid. But um, later she put together an album of like her more kind of cabaret type songs that, that a lot of other artists were recording and singing. And in, on that album, I sang a duet with her from The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, this song that had actually become a country hit for Dolly Parton called Hard Candy Christmas. Mm, I love at Christmas. that song. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. my mom's song. And so she and I always sang that duet live and we recorded it. But that's the only time I ever recorded one of my mom's songs until now. You've been listening to It's Showtime with Ricky Lee on 101.5 Huntley Community Radio. And you can always catch current and past episodes as podcasts. My guest today has been the amazingly talented and creative Susanna B. I encourage you to check out her work. She has songs ranging from pop to jazz to dance, and it is all amazing. For further information, you can always check out SusannaB.com. You can also catch her on most social media channels. Susanna, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking this time with us today, and we'll see you in the spotlight. Thanks so much.